Multiply podcast, conversation aimed to stir, equip and provoke. Interviewing thinkers, practitioners and pioneers as we aim to inspire and equip kingdom people to launch kingdom communities. You can find more resources on the Vineyard Churches website, www.vineyardchurches.org.uk. Well, delighted to be joined by Glyn Barrett uh, this afternoon. I've also got James Rankin with me, who leads the Cardiff Vineyard, just to co-host this podcast with us. But Glyn, you lead a local church, Audacious, in Manchester. You also lead uh, the Assemblies of God movement currently. Can you just tell us a little bit, give us a few minutes about yourself. How did you end up in Manchester? What does it look like to lead a church, lead a movement? You don't have a... Manchester accent what's could you give us a bit of an overview is that okay yeah for sure hi everybody great to be with you today on this podcast and uh James in Cardiff there Paul in Manchester uh so good such an honor well listen I'm a Manchester boy by birth actually so when people say why Manchester it's because it's it's my people it's it's where I'm from my parents are from South Wales I was born in Manchester (laughs) <laughs> I actually sport Wales in the rugby. I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. But, that's uh, a great thing. Okay. And um, so, yeah, my, my dad was a pastor. My mum and dad were pastors. I was born in Manchester while they were pastoring here. And then they uh, heard God. We went to Australia and my dad was pastoring in a, in a large country town in Australia. I think, you know, it was the eighth largest city really in Australia at the time or thereabouts. And um, we were there for 13 years. When I was 15, we moved back to Manchester where my dad was pastoring in the suburbs again. And then uh, when I was 20, I went back to Australia to, to go to uh, Bible college to read theology for three years. So while I was there, my second year, God spoke to me three things. He said, go back to England. I said, God, you go back to England. Why did you leave? Because uh, obviously Australia is sunny. We've got the beaches and things like that. But just had a really overwhelming burden for really the country of my birth, uh, for Great Britain. And uh, so God spoke to me three things. Go back to England, you'll plant a church, and one day you'll lead Assemblies of God in Great Britain. And at that time, I, I wrote it down in my journal that night as a second year in Bible school, showed it to a friend. He said, you're crazy. At the bottom of my journal, I wrote, is this me or God? And that's question mark, question mark, question mark, hoping it was me and not God, therefore it wouldn't come to pass. You yes. know, I was, I was kind of yeah. really happy living in Sydney. And, um, and three days later at a, at a conference, the a man of God was preaching and he stopped during his message. He pointed to me sitting 10, 15 rows back. He said, I don't know who you are, but you're wondering is something God or is it you? God says it's him and it's going to come to pass. And you know how the Bible says God grants you the desires of your heart. Yeah. And just this overwhelming desire to come back to, you know, um, my country to eventually the city of my birth, you know, was uh, just inescapable. And thank God that, I fell in love with a girl in third year of Bible college. We got married and then moved straight to the UK. So we were youth pastors in, in Yorkshire for 12 years. And then 13 years ago, this month, moved to Manchester to launch Audacious Church. We have four locations, three in Manchester, one in Chester. And then um, just last year, became national leader of Assemblies of God, which is around 600 locations in Great Britain as well. So that's a little bit of a snapshot. My wife is from South America, but Australian born. I'm from Wales, English born, raised in Australia, which means our children are incredibly confused. They love God. <laughs> and I guess before we jump into the, the big questions, I guess the all important one is are you, are you blue or red been in Manchester? 
I think you're a you're a city fan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> you live in city territory, so yeah. um, absolutely. Yeah, I'm I'm blue through and through. I, I'll tell you this story. We we had um, a few years ago a United player who started to come for the first time, and after I, I didn't see him in the crowd that night, but afterwards somebody brought him back and said, "Oh, Pastor Glenn, this is such and such, such and such. This is Pastor Glenn," <laughs> and he probably stood about. 10 feet away from me, shaking his head. And I was shaking my head. And he, he said to me, he said, I can't believe I'm going to start coming to a church where my pastor supports the other team. And I said to him, I said, listen, brother, if you start tithing, everything's up for grabs. <laughs> and uh, so, yeah, but I am, I am a staunch blue. And we would probably in our church be 60% blue, uh, sorry, 60% red, 40% blue, and three or four people who support Liverpool who were trying to get out of our church, but they just keep persistently coming. So, yeah. I, I support Liverpool because I'm obviously from Liverpool. But, um, Sorry, mate. You, you broke up on me. I didn't, I didn't actually quite hear that. Sorry. I just wanted to talk about what great signings we've made. But um, anyway, let, let's move on. Yeah. Glenn, I've, I've found um, your faith in this. Obviously, we find ourselves in a global pandemic, but your faith in this moment has been remarkably inspiring. I mean, even as a local church leader, as somebody who, who has seen and followed you, but can you tell us about that? How, what are you seeing? What are you believing for? What are you mm. pressing in for in this moment and this time? Well, I, I think as children of God, faith's the only thing we've got. <laughs> you know, it, it's either going to be faith or fear. It can't be both. And so I think where, you know, the revelation of perfect love casts out all fear uh, and there are there are absolute key verses to to my life that, that I that I live by my wife and the team, you know we walk by faith not by sight, you know in Job chapter seventeen is it the righteous keep moving forward, you know though and I think it's Job seventeen verse nine and verses one to eight Job's persecuted beaten down tortured spat out betrayed, I mean it's just like this this um, display of hardship you know it's like. COVID-19, pandemic, lockdown, renewed lockdown, another lockdown, a localized lockdown, everything's bad. And then in verse nine, he declares the righteous keep moving forward by faith. Mm -hmm. And so there's just that, that overwhelming sense that we have that actually God hasn't brought us to a place like Manchester or Chester um, to, to, to stop, to tread water, to stay still. You know, if, if the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, the steps of a good woman are ordered by the Lord, then God saw the pandemic before we did. Therefore, what are we going to choose to live with? Are we going to consume the, the algorithms of media that keeps feeding us negativity, disaster, fear? Or are we actually going to step back a little bit, take a snapshot of God in heaven and say, is he still on the throne? Is he still committed to his kingdom coming on earth? If the answer is yes to all those things, then we choose faith over fear. Mm. And the righteous keep moving forward. So, you know, we would rather keep moving forward than just kind of stay put and, um, and let things go into, into regression. So that would be just an, an overwhelming conviction yeah. of our lives. And I think the name of our church, it's audacious in name. It therefore has to be audacious in nature. Mm. And the moment we stop becoming audacious in nature, that's when people should really start leaving our church because we're actually prophesying something that we're not. Wow. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and for you, particularly in this moment, you know, if we, we talk about kind of generic words and then there's almost words in season, would you, would you have kind of a particular piece of scripture or something in this moment that's kind of really strengthened you? And you're like, actually, that's the, that's the watering hole that I keep going back to, to feed from. I, I don't know whether you've got something like that right now. Yeah, absolutely. Proverbs 28 verse 1. 
The wicked flee, though no one pursues, but the righteous are as bold as a lion. And mm. I, I think when you break down the, the what the scripture is talking about there, when, when, of course, you know, the wisdom literature of Proverbs, it's such a profound thing to think in a season like this that, you know, those who live effectively without God in their lives, without God as number one, without any acknowledgement of God, have every right to fear, have every right to run from circumstances. But actually, faith in Christ, the Christ in us, gives us the opportunity to have the, the courage, the boldness of a lion. Mm. I mean, uh, years ago, I was uh, on a safari with my family in, in, in South Africa, actually. My son was two. He was sitting next to me and on this open top Jeep. And the ranger pulled up the vehicle and pointed over to the left-hand side of the, of the vehicle and said, look, if you look over there, there's three lionesses hunting. And you could only see the, the tops of their backs through the long grass. And while we were so busy looking on one side, we didn't realize what was happening on the other side of the Jeep. And on the other side, a fully grown male lion walked out of the long grass and stood on the road next to the Jeep, literally eight feet from where we were. Mm. We didn't know it was there. The ranger didn't know it was there. <laughs> the first person who noticed it was there was my two-year-old son. As he stood on his chair, he leant out towards the lion with his arms outstretched oh, wow. and said, cuddles. <laughs> I turn, see this lion there, and this lion was literally just staring at us, looking at my son, thinking he's starters, looking at me, thinking I'm main course, my wife's, you know, she's dessert. And, um, and yet this, the, the, the courage, the, the, this, this lion just, just walking around the Jeep, you know, didn't care that the guy driving this Jeep had a gun or anything like that he is the king of the jungle. And I think that in a moment like a pandemic or crisis, where, where so much doom and gloom all around. And of course, the hardship is real that many are experiencing and we, and we don't want to um, underplay that at all. But there's something about the righteous sense of God in us should cause us to sit up and take notice. So actually, we're not called to flee. We're called to be bold, to be courageous. Sorry for preaching, but that is, that's the verse mm -hmm. for the moment. I love it. We're living it, Go for breathing it. it. Yeah. yeah. Um, just before we kind of came on the podcast, we were just talking about church planting and multiplication you know being we're part of the church planting team we're passionate about planting churches it's it's an interesting moment isn't it in terms of multiplication but you you were just sharing um you know a bit about some of your plans for audacious in, in some senses that we don't halt the plan you know that multiplication keeps on going you know the, the mm. vision stays <laughs> stays the same although we're in a difficult moment right now do you just want to speak into into that for a moment particularly around kind of multiplication and some of the things in your heart that you'd love to see well i think in the natural so too in in the supernatural and in the spiritual so you know how many babies are going to be born you know in the season nine months after after coronavirus lockdown. I mean, we are going to see a population surge, aren't we, all yeah. across the world. I was just on Worldometers uh, three days ago looking at the population, and I think we're nearly now at 8 billion on the planet, yeah. which is uh, like it felt like two minutes ago we hit 7 billion. Yeah. Now yeah. we're 8 billion, and it feels like with this lockdown, there is genuinely going to be a biological, a, a surge in biological birthing process. Uh, I do think that as pastors and leaders, we have to have the confidence in the scripture where Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against us. Now, when Jesus actually shares that, he's actually at the foot of Mount Hermon. He's actually Caesarea Philippi. And 
scholars tell us that when he shares that, he was outside the, um, the palace or the temp- temple that was built to the Greek god Pan. Now, I was there in February this year. I was there two years ago as well. And it is a really impressive temple. And literally, the people thought that the, that was the entrance, the gateway to the gates of hell. And yeah. Jesus is really, really clear. He says, listen, not even what you think is the gates of hell. Not, not even, not even the, the, the host, every demon in hell or any virus on the earth can stop my plans for the glorious bride, the church of God. So I think that as pastors and leaders, we should have this absolute conviction that, that growth, multiplication and increase is actually the order of the day. I think we're finding that in a lockdown, there are many, many people getting wealthy while many people are getting poorer. Mm. And, and, I, and I use that as an analogy because I think that right now for the church in this nation, we have an opportunity that's presented to us and we can either choose to run and flee and lock down ourselves or we can say, God, open our eyes that we may see the opportunities for expansion and for increase. Mm. And I think that in the natural, as many people feel like they may be coming to the end of themselves, what a brilliant thing it is that we can see churches, new churches established all around our nation where people who are coming to the end of themselves can then find God and have God build into them a new hope for the future. So I think now is a fantastic time for church leaders, pastors to begin to strategize, plan for either church plants or multi-site locations because there's no better way to win a nation than to plant churches. Amen. And it's also a great moment for innovation, isn't it? Because in some senses where whereby a lot of things were taken away, suddenly it's like, well, actually, innovation isn't that costly. <laughs> and yeah. I don't know about you in, in your context, but I think one of the things that we've noticed happening in the last couple of months is that people have started activating. Do you know what I mean? Mm. In terms of, you know, how in the same way that God called you in that moment, it feels yeah. like this moment suddenly where maybe people haven't been activated. There's the, the God's breaking into individuals and he's like, I want you to go for this and I want you to plant churches. Um, yeah. And so they're like, well, what does that even look like? And they're having to think in a different way, but there's this activation moment that I think is incredibly exciting. So yeah, I, I kind of agree. Although it feels tricky right now, I feel like it's kind of a, a waiting moment for, it's not waiting because it's not inactive and there are things yeah. that can be done now, but it's almost like a, a preparation moment for a, a bountiful moment of planting. That, that's yeah. kind of what I feel in my bones. Well, I think one of the mistakes that some people make is thinking that thinking like you say, that passive is, uh, sorry, waiting is passive, but the Bible's clear. Those who wait on the Lord, what will they, what will they do? They will renew, renew their strength. strength. Yeah. I mean, that's not passive. They will run. That's not passive. They'll walk. That's not passive. They will soar. They will climb. None of those things are passive. So yeah, waiting is great, but it's an active waiting. Um, an expectation that God's about to do something. So let's wait, but let's get busy in our waiting. Let, let's, let's wait on God. Let, let's, let's strengthen our hearts, strengthen our resolve, build our faith, make sure we're connecting with the right people who when they speak with us, something leaps on the inside yeah. because we know that in those relationships, significant things can be born out of conversation. So, yeah, I would totally agree with you, James. Mm. That's powerful. Go on then, Paul. I feel like you've got a brilliant yeah, question. Think, brewing. Are you seeing other barriers with some of that that you think we could be removing in our churches, in our thinking? That are, there, are there key things that you would say, well, we could chuck this aside. It's just going to free us up for the moment that we're currently in. Yeah. Uh, one of my favourite quotes is by Mark Twain. 
who said tradition is not wearing your grandfather's hat. It's buying a new one like he did. Mm. <laughs> and I think that what we have in this, in this season is this opportunity to actually look at what we previously thought were barriers or things that said, oh, we can't do church this way or this is not church. It actually gives us the opportunity to, um, to reevaluate all those, those blockages that have historically been before us, whether it be blockages of finances, um, human resources, personnel, you know, uh, buildings, whatever, we're actually finding that we're, we can actually begin to do church without all of those things in place and in play. Mm. So I think that this, this season of innovation, and I don't even think that what we need is adaptation because you can have leaders who adapt, but what we want to truly have is exactly what James said a moment ago is, is innovation. So I think that many of our barriers are associated with buildings, you know, associated with, with finances, Mm. associated with maybe certain aspects of our liturgy mm. that have been um, like a sacred cow to us, the most important thing. And I think that sometimes, you know, from whatever expression we've, of church we're in, whether it's a new church or a church that's been going for hundreds of years, sometimes we can get so caught up in the process of what we do that yeah. we, we need to at times take pause and get a snapshot and remember Actually, why are we doing this? What's it actually about? Yeah. And, and I think that this moment actually affords us that opportunity to actually, like the Wizard of Oz, open the curtain, look behind and actually see, right, what's important and what is actually going on. So I think all of these blockages are, are really, they're falling down before us. I, I don't know about you guys, but in my um, expression of church, it feels to me that what has happened during pandemic is that in the space of six months, many churches have been dragged from the way they were doing church in 1985 to now, in a sense, forced to doing it in a digital age with a postmodern and millennial generation, learning to engage very differently to the way we did six months ago. That's incredible. So now why I, my theology won't allow me to believe that the pandemic came from God Psalm 119, 68, God, you are good and you do good. So therefore God can't do evil. I do know that God allows things to happen so that actually his will can then be performed in our lives. And I think that that's what we're seeing um, during this whole season right now. So it, it's, like the, it's like the initial diaspora, you know, the persecution of the early church, God allowed it so that actually the blockages in their thinking of how church or religion or Judaism, now Christianity could look like, it was now a different thing. So that's really what we're seeing. Yeah, and as, as we, I, I think one of the inspiring things I've found with you guys is, is your ability to think big. It's not to put a limit, a human limit on what God might want to do. Even just, I think it was Stuart Keir was telling me, you bring trustees in from all over the place, get the right people in the right room to allow you to, to almost increase your capacity and think bigger. Would there be certain things around multiplication that you would say now, as we see a new day, as we see a new moment that we could be thinking about to allow us to, to kind of just blow off some of the cobwebs and the limited thinking and step into a, into a new moment. Yeah, I do. Um, listen, the reason we brought people like that into our world is because for example, our new building in Manchester, it's a 44 million pound project. It's a new cathedral that we're building. And the great news is this, is that some people go, wow, gosh, how are you going to do that? And yet many of our friends and, and people 
nationally and internationally are building church buildings for 300 million and 400 million. And so when we're talking 44 million to them, it's like small pocket change. And so, so the language of faith is naturally bigger because we're in a room that is, that is bigger. Sophie and I have always sought to try to become, I hope this um, translates the the smallest fish in the biggest ocean we can find. So to actually be in places where by, through sheer size and enormity of the men and women of faith who were in the room, what we are achieving by comparison, and I know the dangers of comparison, but what we're achieving just is is very, very small, if you know what I mean. So yeah, absolutely. This, this afternoon I'm interviewing a friend who um, who is, you know, been an advisor to the last three presidents. This person, he oversees 42,000 Hispanic churches. Um, you know, is an executive movie producer, is, is an LA best, LA best seller, author, LA times, um, and, and quite phenomenal. So I'm looking at his bio and (laughs) I'm doing with it and I'm looking at going, I love this guy because there's something about it where when I think I'm busy, I'm looking at what this man and his wife are achieving. I'm thinking, Oh, Glenn, there's, there's so much more within you that you can actually do. And so, you know, people will celebrate our four locations that we have and the fact that we're, we're planning towards doing another two in 2021, which we haven't told our church about yet. So I don't know when this gets podcast goes out, but that's the plan. But I've got friends, you know, who, who've got 12 and 20 and, and, and done 40. And, and we all know of missionaries who've been around the world and have planted hundreds and even into the thousands of churches. And so I just think that that's, they're, they're good conversations and good people to be with because you've got a choice to either be intimidated or be inspired. Yeah. And, and I think that, you know, when it comes to church planting, those relationships are, are really key. I don't want to know who's planted one. I, I want to know who's planted 10, yeah. you know, I, I, and then when I get to 10, I'm going to be looking for the people who've got 20. How are you doing 20? And not just 20 independent churches, but what are, what are 20 multiple locations of your one church look like? What are the complexities of being a senior pastor over 20 locations? There are some people say it's a bad thing. Many people say it's a good thing. Some people say it's impossible. And I think they're, they're good conversations. We don't want to just have group think. I think we've just got to have people in our world who will challenge us to think bigger and, um, and, but ensure that all our I's are dotted and T's across theologically, practically, and financially on the way. Oh, I don't no. know if that answered your question, Paul. Yeah. Do you know, I, I love that, just the idea of trying to get your head around 42,000 churches. <laughs> you know, suddenly yeah. you're like, you know, in your context, it's 600 or whatever. And you're like, okay, yeah. that's a step on, isn't it? And in yeah. our context, yeah. whatever we are. And so, yeah, I, do you know, I think that's, I love that idea of not being intimidated, but instead being inspired and looking at somebody and being like, I love the, the size of your vision. I remember, Glenn, you came and spoke the vineyard leaders about five years ago and or six i can't remember how long it was but i just remember your vision of stop the traffic do you know what i mean oh, and yeah. i remember that that has never left me you, you know in some senses you're like that is audacious and then i'm like oh in the best sense of the word audacious you yeah. know it's inspiring and so i'm inspired by that and so yeah i love that um, just don't tell our town planners that we want to stop the traffic that'll get yeah. us in trouble could you could you imagine they're like you actually planned this <laughs> <laughs> It's like, uh, did you write this down anywhere? Yeah, on every slogan that we've got everywhere, yeah. we wrote it down. Okay, um, just just moving slightly on from there. What what do you think is our biggest kingdom opportunity in this season? Do you know what I mean? Like as as we as we sit there, what what is it that you're like? Oh, actually, this is this is the moment for this. 
I think that a divided church can never really heal a nation, mm. but a united church can really bring hope where there's hopelessness. Yeah. I think that when we read the news, we, gosh, watch a, a lot of the, the nuances that are coming out in, in movies today on Netflix and Amazon Prime, etc. as we see more and more things being digitalized, I think we're seeing a greater amount of despair beginning to kick in in people's lives. Mm-hmm. My generation was a generation of there's no absolutes. And because there was no absolutes, this now next generation is living with the fallout of a previous generation mind that, you know, was relative. It's you choose what you want to believe. And I think that when there's really no absolutes, there's no right and no wrong. And what we're doing is we're, we're, we're narrowing what's right and what's wrong and we're creating more and more gray. Or what we're doing is we're taking things that were historically, um, maybe biblically or theologically inerrant and we're now making that okay, part of our vernacular, part of our thinking, part of even our, at times, Christian group think, then ultimately what begins to happen is despair begins to rise. So I was in an interview with Dr. Sam Chand, a leadership architect, uh, two days ago. And he was sharing with me some stats. Now, don't quote me exactly on this, but it was something like this, um, that it's something like in America, about 11% of the adult population had challenges regarding mental ill health prior to the lockdown. Now they're estimating that it's running at just over 50%. Oh, wow. So you kind of go, okay, where's the hope? Yeah. Who, who's, who's got the hope? Now, I'm sure I read something about that in the Bible somewhere. I'm sure. <laughs> I'm sure that in 66 books from the whole you know, narrative of, of 66 books, 1,400 authors, uh, sorry, over 1,400 years, 40 different authors, there must be something in there about hope. And, of course, we know that's the case. So if a divided church can't heal anyone, what would a, what would a united church do? What, what would it look like in our nation for every stream, every denomination, uh, with whatever theological nuances and, 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 and practices we have that differ, rather than talking and arguing over what we differ on, mm. what can we agree on? What's the irreducible minimum? Well, it's Jesus, Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us. He came, he died, he rose again, that we may have life and life eternal. Maybe if we agree on that and allow everything else, just be part of the wonderful diversity of the church, I think what an incredible opportunity that would be. So whether people are watching us on a Christian TV station or they're watching us as social commentators on BBC or the local news stations are looking for a comment, rather than preachers being caught out on cul-de-sacs and sidetracks and looking like absolute crazy people. Um, I speak about myself, of course, in that. Wouldn't it be brilliant if we just keep on the main agenda? Yeah. Jesus. Who's Jesus? Let's just talk about the wonderful name of Jesus. Yeah, but Glenn, what do you think about this? Well, listen, I'm not too sure about that, but I can tell you about Jesus. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but what about this over here? Well, listen, I'm, I'm here to talk to you about Jesus. Actually, that's what we're called to do as preachers, preach the gospel yeah. of Jesus Christ. Love it. Like in society right now, I think that there's so much opportunity for partnership, you know, and there's an opportunity for the churches to partner with outsider organizations. But what you're saying, and I 100% agree, is that actually the church needs to partner with itself. Do you know what I mean? It's, yeah. Yes, it is about partnering all over but actually if we if we don't have that at the heartbeat of who we are and that we speak well of one another and that we cheer each other 
cheer each other on and we're like that's amazing what god's doing amongst you then yeah. that we miss so actually yeah that's, that's brilliant do you know there's a few years ago we um just a, a small group of pastors actually in manchester we've become friends over the last sort of 13 years that i've been here but quite a few years ago i'm, I'm thinking probably 10 years ago our church was in a, in the early stages of its growth and you know some people left our church and went to another church and you know, well, well, I guess a little bit um, unkind maybe mm. in some of the words I was saying about myself and my wife, our church, whatever. The pastor rang me and he said, Glenn, I just want you to know this, that this family have just relocated. They've just started coming to our church. They've, they've began to talk to me and say some really nasty things. And he said, I've, I've told them to stop it, that you're my friend. Mm. Now, I, I, I really didn't know this person very well. And he said, you're my friend. This is the church of God. And whenever you criticize the church, you're criticizing the bride of Christ, especially with the attitude and the tone. Mm. And, and I just said to this pastor, I said, listen, I just want you to know, I really, really do appreciate that. You're really kind. And I said, listen, probably over the next 20, 30, 40, 50 years that we're together in the same city, people will leave our church and go to yours. People may even leave your church and come to ours. But I reckon as long as we can agree that we're good with each other yeah. and just be gracious enough to, to love whoever comes, however long they're with us, and if they leave, they leave. Um, but to, to do our best to love the pastor, to care, if we can stay good, I said to this pastor, and you know what, here we are all these years later and we're buddies, we talk about things. Whenever things um, happen that are negative uh, about our local church, the first person on the phone is this pastor from this other church here in the city just saying, Glenn, love you, standing with you. Mm-hmm. And I think that's, 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 that's united. Now, we don't agree on everything. But, yeah. but we can agree on what we need to agree on. Now, imagine how wonderful that would be if the conversation that he initiated with me is the same that every Christian had with each other, whatever stream, whatever denomination, yeah. wherever you're from, yeah. stop blogging, stop social mediaing the stuff you're saying about the church. You know, we have a mantra in our church. If you can't think of something nice to say, then think of something nice to say. Let's be a unified <laughs> church yeah. and let's believe that the hope of the world will bring healing to people's hearts. Yeah. yeah, it's such it's such an amazing support, isn't it? When I moved to Cardiff and I planted, there was a there's a guy in the city who led another church, and he he took he just took me under his wing, and he just said, you know, after year one, he heard me I was doing a wedding or something. It was like, do you know what? I'd love I've been doing this for thirty years, and I'd love to be able to meet up with you every now and then just to encourage you in in leading your church. And you know, twelve years on, you know, similarly to you, but this guy's been absolutely amazing to me through some of the difficult moments and i'm so grateful for that partnership in in the gospel and you're like when other churches start speaking well of one another you know that's where blessing is isn't it you know it's it's a beautiful thing so yeah yeah love it yeah that's good Glenn, just, um, another question slight change of tack was i've noticed you guys don't seem afraid to stop doing things as much as you're good with vision and starting things you, you're quite happy to pivot and redirect. And how, how's that been? Does that come as a cost? What's that like? What, what would be involved in the decision-making? Because I think sometimes we just get, we get locked on forever and we lose the missional sense because we're just maintaining something. But I wondered if you could just speak into that a little bit. There are genuine uh, moments where my wife and I and the team have to have a wake-up call. Uh, I think that, that because vision leaks and culture leaks as well, then as, as leaders, I think we've got to continue to maintain 
our narrative on what is important for the vision and the culture of the house. Mm. Um, so, you know, for example, we have some real clear core values in our church. We know who we are. We know who we're not. That is to say that what we're not is not wrong. It's just not who we are. Mm-hmm. Maybe I could kind of illustrate it this way, is that when we planted our church 13 years ago, got together with, with our planting team, there was just eight of us, and I got a whiteboard in the house and said, hey, guys, these guys have known me for 10 years, guys and girls, said, why don't you, on this whiteboard, let's just write down every adjective you can think of of my wife and I. So we had pizza and, and we, we hung out for two hours. They were laughing. They were, they were joking. We were laughing. And then we grouped all these words together and ended up with 11, 11 adjectives describing words. And I said, okay, see that? That's who we're going to be as a church. Wow. And I think that it's very difficult, especially in a situation like, like, like ours where we've planted the church. The church will always really look like in character, nature, it'll really take after the, the, the couple or the individual who's really at the helm leading it and, and driving the culture and the vision mm. forward. Mm. Um, now that's not always the case in, in many churches that are, that have been going for a lot of years, etc. They're looking for a different type of pastor leader experience there. But certainly in, in, in our type of church, uh, a vineyard, a sense of God, Pentecostal, spirit empowered, new type church with new church planting, that would be the case. So Paul, to answer that question, um, we're continually coming back to what brought us to Manchester. We're continually coming back to this is who we are, this is who we're not. As an example, we're not a very quiet church. Now, that's not <laughs> to say that, that people aren't, you know, and, you know, Christian can't be quiet. It's just that part of my theology is this, is that it's, it's the theology of party. I, I truly believe yeah. that where, you know, people say, well, why does the devil have all the good music? Do you remember that song? And, you know, the whole thing, oh, I'll see you in hell. Yeah, it's going to be a party. But you've got to read your Bible to realize that actually God's not a killjoy. God loves a party. Now, there's a theological term for it. It's called feasts. Mm. But make no mistake, that was a gathering of people. People loved being together. There was a party atmosphere and vibe. Um, and, uh, you know, first miracle was turning water into wine at, at a party. And so that's kind of who we are. And so I think whenever we get away from that experience of the collective moment of enjoying the house of God, enjoying our worship, having moments of just belly laughing because, because that was funny or can you believe we did that yeah. clip or, or whatever, yeah. laughing at our successes. And, and, yeah, we pivot, Paul, pretty quick. I mean, there's 4,000-plus adults in our Manchester Central con- congregation and we do pivot pretty quick on things. But what most people see is, is, the, is the successful ones. I mean, we, we've had pivots that have just gone, we, we, how's, how crazy is this, right? I thought it would be a good idea to start a Sunday night service in central Manchester, right? Sunday, no, sorry, Saturday night service. It's going to be awesome. Saturday night. And then two months into it, I thought to myself, what am I doing? Uh, I can't get to football games, my golf game. You know, and all of a sudden I realised that by midday on Saturday, I'm, I'm thinking church, uh, you know, and of course all our Sundays are filled with services yeah. as well. So yeah. after two months of doing I stood up to our Saturday night service and said, I don't know about you guys, but... I'm really enjoying this very much. Uh, yeah, okay. If in a month's time we finished our Saturday night service and everyone stood and cheered and that was it, they were good, they were gone. Wow. So I you know, love that. That's yeah. brilliant. Amazing. But what we what we tend to do is we, we say to the church, "Hey, listen, we, we're going to try this for a while. Let's see how we go with this." Yes. You know, so it gives us the option yeah. that if we end up getting stuck in something we don't want to do, that there's a way out of it. Yeah. We're not we're not fully committed in that sense. Brilliant. 
No, yeah. Um, Glenn, can we, I'm just aware of time. Do you think we can pray for you just in finishing? We'd just love, oh, to, awesome. we'd just love to pray God's Can you pray in Welsh for me, mate? <laughs> Do you know what? My daughters all speak Welsh. And so first language, yeah, they're in Welsh school. So um, unfortunately, they're, well, no, fortunately, they're at school. Hallelujah, praise Jesus. I love school. It's the greatest thing. (laughs) But um, if they were here, so no, I'm not going to pray over you in Welsh, but um, I'll pray for you in something else. So Lord, we we thank you for Glyn. Lord, I want to thank you for his irrepressible enthusiasm. Yeah. And Lord, you've, you've called him to hold a lot right now. And I pray that it would be a light burden to him. And Lord, we just, you know, we want to pray multiplication over the assemblies of God. Yes, God. You know, we've got a moment to bless that movement. And so, Lord, we stand side by side as partners in the gospel and we say, bless them. Let this be their most fruitful year ever. Do you know what I mean? Like in the midst of all that's going on, yeah. that church planters and site pastors and community leaders will just be there in abundance. And they'll say, here I am. I'm up for it. Yeah. So Lord, let it just happen. And would you give Glenn everything that he needs to be able to release that move of God? Yeah. Yeah. Father, I just pray an increase over it. I thank you for the dreams in their hearts for... For Manchester, thank you for what they carry nationally, internationally, for both him, Sophia, for the family, Lord, I pray protection, but I pray for an increase, that the, the, the tents, pegs would be extended, that there would be more, that the dreams would become a reality where they fought big, that they would be able to think bigger, Lord, I just pray for your <laughs> blessing and your favour over them. Thank you for what they just imparted they just mm. even imparted into us today into the vineyard today that they've freely given away so much of what you've given to them and i pray that that, that would come back and it would come back tenfold lord bless them mm. thank you god in jesus name amen amen, amen. bless you good thanks guys appreciate the uh, the honor of being able to share with you thank today you. and for anyone out there listen just throw away anything that you don't want and hopefully something there uh, we'll really spur you on to good things and sending our love to John and Debbie Wright as well, pastors of Vineyard and all that they're doing, praying great success on you guys and all you do. And Paul, looking forward to catching up with you in Manchester sometime, my friend. Absolutely. Thanks.